Hello and welcome, dear friends. I am Nicole Beecham, and this is the Energetic Pathway Podcast, Journey Back to Yourself. I invite you to join me each week as we explore stories, insights, and resources through the lens of vulnerability and authenticity with a little bit of humor along the way. Let's dive into today's topic together. Good morning or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. In the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about self-love, especially looking at self-compassion, self-acceptance, and self-forgiveness. Today, Brock is back. Welcome back, hey, Brock. Hey, everybody. Glad We're going to be back. Share... <laughs> yes. How was your... I would like to ask about that, actually. How was your... Um... How was your boat ride? Your very long cruise boat ride? It was great. Um, I went on um, a cruise last year with my wife, uh, found a deal for like a whole week for 500 bucks total. And I was like um, sucked in to all the old people and sunburns that you can have. So this time I found a Black Friday deal for a cruise to Greece. And man, uh, were there no regrets. So lost our luggage. Every single airplane was delayed. Uh, and it was a hot freaking mess, but, um, yeah, it was, it was dope. I would recommend it. Don't go to Greece with kids. So glad we didn't go to Greece with kids, but, um, also watch out for the donkeys in Santorini. Um, because that was, uh, dangerous, but besides that, yeah, you know, lots of stories. <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, there's like this, there's this little path where like if you're on a cruise ship, you get at this old port and the whole city is up on the cliffs. And so there's like either a like six kind of car, cable car that takes like 30 people up at a time every five minutes and the line's like 600 people long. So it's like hours. Um, or there's this like switchback uh, path like that goes up. It's like a mile uphill. And it just like cuts back and forth. Well, these old Grecian dudes uh, have businesses where they just uh, get tourists to hop on some donkeys and go up this path. Uh, Donkeys do not listen to the tourists standing in front of them on the path and decide to just charge um, downhill. So like you'll be going and there's little alcoves and stuff, but we would like literally jump up on the side of this path to not get trampled by a herd of donkeys multiple times. I got headbutted once. Um, there's this little Greek family with like a six-year-old that came up and the six-year-old was just losing her shit, like just screaming and crying. Um, Rightfully so, by the way. It sounds like she had an appropriate reaction to what was happening oh, yeah. around her. Oh, yeah. Like uh, <laughs> my wife, Adele, um, her reaction was probably the same, just internalized. So... Um, <laughs> But so I, I acted as like the little Sherpa guiding everybody up the hill. So um, anyway, yeah, that's definitely was my favorite experience of the cruise. Um, I could besides totally all the see Jack this. and Cokes I got. So yes, yes, free Jack and Cokes. I mean, free as in prepaid, I guess. But um, you know, you just don't think about it. Uh, anyway, yes. So yeah. my week was amazing. So I have not been around, but I am back, feet on the ground. Uh, or carpeted upstairs, I guess, technically. Here we are. So a little 
a little look into what what's going on in our lives right now. So our first episode, as you guys probably realize, did not have the most amazing sound quality. But Brock is like the super professional. So he had like we show up for the first day of recording. He has on his headphones. He's like in a carpeted room and it's like a an enclosed upstairs. So it's it's pretty sound proof, Brock. Like props to your setup. I like it. Well, meanwhile, I record the first episode in my dining room and now I'm recording literally from my bed. So my sound guy, Nick, shout out to Nick. He was like, you need to have like carpet or blankets or something around you. And I'm like, well, there are blankets in my bed. And so I was sharing with Brock this morning, like, look at my beautiful setup. So that's like a picture and sent it to him. And he started laughing at me. So thank you, Brock, for your amusement and support. You're welcome. But you know, nowhere better to talk about life than from the comfort of your own bed. So I'd say you're the real one winning this morning. But um, hey, I am comfortable. There's a weighted blanket and everything in here. We're good. Wow. That's impressive. All right. Well, what do you, right, what do you got for us today, Nicole? What are you thinking? So, so we've been talking while you've been going, Brock. We've been talking a lot about um, self-love and what that journey's look like. And I know you know that you've been up to date with it. And I thought what may be helpful today is if you and I were just to share a little bit more about our self-love journeys. So specifically, I kind of wanted to start with what did your life look like? before your self-love journey because I think we all have this experience where when you get onto your self-love journey you're like oh shit what has my life been how have I been living what did that look like and it's like just an awakening of sorts like our eyes are open to what we didn't realize so I was just curious if you would share a little bit about like what before you got on your own journey of healing of self-love of self-discovery like you just give an insight of like what did your life kind of look like Yeah, I think that's interesting, like even just this concept of self-love, like how do you discover that? Um, And I'd say it's really cultural, like a family culture, um, like a friend group culture, like or just, you know, like you get into a space where somebody tells you, hey, it's something that you need to discover, like or sometimes it's just spiritual, right? Like you just come across it and it's like something that's so necessary that Um, you just kind of get smacked with. And I think for me, like I just was raised in a culture where you just kind of (laughs) like pretend you're okay. Like it's, it's not because no one cares. It's because everyone puts on the strong face and you get up when you get hurt and you keep on going. And so for a lot of my life, I, just was conditioned to not internally process um, what was going on. Like, and if I didn't internally process then it wasn't a problem, right? Like if, if nobody asked me about myself, then there was no processing, right? Like um, I was able to compartmentalize so well that um, it just kind of, I don't know, like it just kind of became something that I wasn't aware of. Um, and as you get older and you're not aware of what's going on in yourself, then you make these habits that, um, I would say kind of tear away at pretty much all parts of your life, right? Like if you're not introspective, if you don't take time to slow down and to, to even think about what does it look like to love yourself and you, and and you don't even get to a place like where I was, where you don't even learn to listen to yourself, like to make decisions for yourself. Um, 
yeah, then it, it kind of just spirals until there's a breaking point, right? Like a lot of my life I've learned I do at breaking points. Like you, you don't pay attention to something until it's already an issue. Um, and so, yeah, before my self-love journey, there was just, I think, emotionally chaos. I think relationally chaos, like, uh, especially in college, there's a time where probably every six months, my entire friend group changed for one reason or another. And it was just like, there was nothing stable. Like I had never had really any friends of depth, what I would call like a soul friend, like somebody who really knows you, uh, and not just like hangs out and shares common things with you. And so, yeah, I think like life before loving myself, um, just looked like apathy, right? Like not apathy towards others, but apathy towards self of, um, my energy should be like, you start to learn what to, what to hold on to. And mine was because I was smart because I was compassionate, right? That becomes an identity that then instead of, um, wondering what I wanted or what was helpful for me in a situation, um, I thought the best path forward was to just forget myself and to worry about everybody else, which is really interesting. I don't know how you get there, but I did. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's so common. Like as you're sharing, same, like, I just want to like take your answer and be like, yeah, me too. Um, a little different, but it's very similar, right? Like I think that we, we go into this place where, we're trying to adapt to the surroundings around us in order to receive love. So instead of loving ourselves, what I found for me is like, I was getting to the point where I was like you getting my identity from other things. And so for me, it was, yeah, I work really hard and I can go to grad school while also working a full-time job while also being a writer. And I just, in some ways I coped with work. Like I, put myself into work and had my identity wrapped up so much in that because I was being recognized there. I was being validated there, but I was being recognized and validated by what I did as opposed to who I am. And so that's, that was my childhood as well. I think whatever, before my self-love journey, it was doing things in order to try to get the love that I felt like I needed from others, like depending on external sources to give me that love. And there's always, we always need that in some capacity, but not depending upon everything we do with that external look and need for validation. And I, like you, everything was chaos. Like there wasn't a lot of stability. It was from one, one situation to another. It was like those patterns were repeating and they were external patterns that were repeating, but also internal ones for myself as well, where I wasn't I wasn't loving myself like you. I was sacrificing myself. I was putting everybody else's needs before my own because that's what I thought I had to do or supposed to do. Like I, I thought that's what made a good person. Like a good person was you take who you are and you put it aside so that you're only meeting the needs of other people. So I think that that's common. It feels unfortunately common. Like I think we all do that to some degree, right? Like based on the environment in which we're raised, we at some point learn that we're not supposed to love ourselves and that loving ourselves may be selfish or loving ourselves may be unwanted or unwelcome. And then I think we build up fears around that of if we love ourselves, 
And we'll, we can talk more about that later. But if we love ourselves, what are we going to lose? Are we going to be alone? Are we going to be abandoned? Is anyone going to be there for us? And I, I think that like you, if I look back, my life is totally different now that I am on the self-love journey and that I am learning to love myself. And then I'm trying to honor that. And previously, yeah, it was chaos. That's a great way to put it. It was disassociated chaos. I was so checked out from my own body, from my own experience, from my own internal dialogue that I wasn't loving myself and I didn't even know it. Yeah, let's unpack some of that. Like, I, I think this word um, that our concept I've, I've really been digging on when thinking about this stage of my life is this concept of performance, right? Like, I think that's really cultural and like millennial and um, kind of like that Gen X um, like generation where it was all about what you're achieving, what you're doing. Identity is tied with outcome, not just action, but like outcome of action. And so like, I don't know, like what, what about like this whole, like finding identity and the things that you were doing, like contributed to this, um, like season of chaos, right? If it's this word of chaos, like how, why is it that chaos comes alongside of performance like for you like how did that play out in your life yeah so I think it was in the environment that I was in and the way that I was raised in a large degree in my marriage like everything was chaos like truly around me everything was chaos and when I was younger I like we're born into the situations we're born into and like we we don't have control like we're dependent upon our mom and our dad and the structures around us to like go to the grocery store. Like we can't go to the grocery store as a toddler by ourselves and like get our own food and like cook our own food and drive ourselves to school. And so growing up in an environment where everything was chaos, I think that I was searching for some sense of something I could control and I could control my performance. Like I could control, like when I went to school, like I can control whether or not I made good grades. I can control if I showed up to class, paid attention, listened to the teacher. If I did my homework, like all those things were things that I had control over when I didn't have control over much of anything else in my life. And I just really think that that carried with me through my, through my adulthood. Like I think whenever I became an adult, like that pattern stuck with me. So it's like, it was a way for me to feel like I had control of something. So the whole world wasn't shifting under me. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, I would say the chaos comes from not being able to control the performance, right? Like not being able to control the outcome is what gave me the chaos where it sounds like for you, it was you had the ability to control the outcome with those things in your life. And that's, um, I don't know, that's so interesting, like how for two people, it's the same, the same struggle right can can portray itself differently like based on what the things that we're finding identity are like for me it was less about like doing my homework and all of that and more so like knowing how to get people to like me right like it's like trying to control like my like people's perception of me um, not really like the outcome of like a test or a grade or a college acceptance or like 
none of that stuff I could really care anything about. But it was, it all came back to, for me, like people liking me and the people that didn't like me, like them not liking me for a real reason and not just like something they make up. Um, like, and like really trying to control the way people see me and like, and obviously, right. You can't do that. And so that I think is what broke me is like coming to a space of as hard as I try and as good as I do, it is never enough. Like somebody is always going to just drop me or somebody is always going to, um, just make up rumors cause they want to like, I don't know, like, and like, it wasn't until college that that stuff started. Cause like I came from a small town, like there wasn't a whole lot of drama, like, but it was interesting, like being faced finally with like not being able to control what kind of helped me deal with the chaos. Like it all fell apart really quick. Um, like, I wonder for you, like, when was that breaking point? Like in the chaos, you, you were able to control it all. Like what broke that taught you, Hey, maybe I'm not actually loving myself. I'm just loving the things I do. Yeah. I have chills as you ask that question because I know the answer and it was both the hardest time in my life and like the best decision I've ever made in my life, which is a really difficult thing to say, but it's true. Um, my marriage, I was in, in a marriage where no matter what I did, it's kind of like you. And this was his own, his own pattern, his own stories as well. And um, I love my ex. So like, this is nothing about him. This is about me and my experience in that relationship. And I did everything I could. Like I tried kind of like where you were just sharing to perform. So like I, you know, would cook meals and I would try to do all the laundry and I would try to make sure I had as much money as I could coming in and I would try to go above and beyond in every way. And I just realized that I was like you trying to control um, his perception of me and trying to earn that love. So it's like, if I do, if I do this and I'm not getting the love that I need, then I need to do more. And if I do more and I'm not getting the love, the getting the love that I need, then I need to do more. And just at some point it got to the point I was like, it doesn't matter what I do. Like I can't, I'm in a situation where because of his own stuff that he has going on with him, he can't give me the love that I need. Right. And that's because honestly, looking back, like he wasn't loving himself, but also like I was expecting love. That's really not his responsibility to give me because I wasn't loving myself. So I just got to this massive breaking point where I just realized very quickly and very, very authentically that I couldn't do it anymore. Like I couldn't try to get someone to love me or to make them love me anymore. And so went through a divorce and in that, like everything kind of fell apart. Like everything within me fell apart. All the structures I tried to rely on fell apart. And it was either face the chaos, the internal chaos that was inside of me. So that, that always was there. I was just ignoring it and face a trauma from my childhood, face a trauma from my marriage, face, face everything that I had been trying to ignore. And that all came about right after my divorce, because then it's me and I'm at home and I'm by myself and I have all this to look at and all this to process. 
So that was when, yeah, that, that was my, that was like my leverage point into this isn't working and I need to love myself. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. First of all, Nicole, like, uh, I know like that alone can be episodes and episodes and episodes of podcasts. Um, right. And years of, of journey and just want to thank you for the vulnerability in that, uh, with me and with, with everyone here. Um, I think to, to not glaze over that. Right. But to, but to say, okay, what, what happened next? Right. Like in this journey, like this discovery of yourself, of, of the need to love yourself and truly love yourself. Right. If that's what broke you out of the chaos, um, what happened next? Well, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I don't want to relive it ever again. Um, so I remember this very vividly. This was also right before the pandemic. So like my 2020 was even more insane than I ever could have possibly imagined just without the pandemic even put into place. But I found myself listening to a podcast. So whenever you have a massive shift in your life, I think that we do try to go internal and try to figure out like what's going on. What do I need? What does that look like? And I was listening to this podcast episode, which is maybe why podcasting has been like on my heart ever since. And to some degree, it's because I was like, holy shit, this is me. I feel seen. And the podcast was really just exploring stories. And people were talking a lot about their childhood stories. And I was exposed for the first time to some of the experiences of people's lives that were similar to mine. And I was faced in this very, I want to say gentle way, but it wasn't. It was like a train coming right at me. (laughs) And I'm sitting here looking at everything these people are saying. I'm resonating with what they're saying. And I'm like, oh, shit. My childhood massively affected me. It wasn't what I thought it was. And I'm holding all this stuff inside of me. What am I going to do? And I listened to a ton of episodes in that podcast to the point where there was a time that I was driving down the road and I was actually overwhelming my nervous system. I know that in hindsight, but I didn't realize that at the time. And I forgot where I was going. I was going to the grocery store and I had to like pull over and I was like, where am I going? What am I doing? What's happening? And I I realized I had to stop listening to the podcast. I was like, this is too much for me. Like I have to stop listening for a while. And then I realized I needed to be in therapy. And so I started therapy and I, as I do with most things, like I went all in, like I was in therapy at that time, three times a week and getting very intense therapy of walking through my story. Like I just had to start walking through like my past and my story. And when I first started describing it to my therapist, I was disassociated from it. I was talking about massively traumatic events from my childhood. Like it was a passing of the weather. I wasn't experiencing it. I wasn't feeling it internally. I was just sharing it. And like again slowly over time I just had to start writing down and I shared this in a previous episode um three times a day I set alarm on my phone I had to start writing down what am I feeling and stop get in my body and figure out what I'm feeling then I had to write down where am I feeling it in my body and that was a work in progress because like whenever I disassociated so much from my body 
it's very hard to get back into your body and be like, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And then I had to start asking myself, which is where the self-love journey began. What do I need? And whatever I needed, I had to start honoring it. Because honestly, at that point, I didn't have another choice. Like there was, there was no other choice. And then the pandemic hit and I found myself isolated from people and I love people. And I found us behind mask and it was hard for me because I am such like a person and my daughter's the same way where like I read and feed off the energy of others. And I feel like the masking just changed my ability to see other people's facial expressions, to see their reactions, to see their, yeah, it was a dark night of the soul. And it was so dark. It was not easy. There's, there's a part of the self-love journey that is brutal, like absolutely brutal because your whole foundation is being shipped. And, and I think that's important to say the, and I would do it all over again to get to where I am now. 100%. 100%. And I'm curious to hear about that part of your story brought So, like when you're sharing, like you're in college and you're like, this isn't working for me anymore. So, you know, like you picked your breaking point, you, you said what your point was where you're like, this is, this is a big deal and things, things have got to change. What did that look like immediately after? Yeah. Um, immediately after it looked like me, um, hiding from myself still, right? Like, um, my healing came very slowly and it's still in process, but came honestly, I would say after year one of my marriage, um, like, so it took four years, right. For me to heal from some of these things. Um, like I think my breaking point came from trusting people who weren't safe. Um, and I think who, right, like, weren't wanting to be with me through stages of life, but wanted me while I was kind of useful um, as either an outlet for them to process to or a person for them to share commonality with. But the minute that that changed, I got dropped. Um, and... I would say I was a lot at fault for a lot of those things, just not really knowing how to stick up for myself or how to communicate effectively um, due to insecurity or due to just like rage at injustice, right? Of, of people getting away with lies and those lies eating away at the way people saw me whenever I wasn't even involved. Um, just really strange, really strange things happening. Um, and I think it, it, it started to teach me that um, not only did it not matter what truth was, but it, but I had no value, right? Like, um, and it wasn't until I lived life on life with somebody, like, and just was given just such tremendous grace um, to, to have the partner I do that was willing to be so patient with me to like, um, speak and re-speak and re-speak truth over me and over the way that I have value and the way that I am seen 
that I really started to realize not just that I need to love myself, but that there is something to love, right? Like I think for a long time, it wasn't that I didn't understand that I should be loving myself. It's, um, I was, I, I saw so low of myself that I didn't really realize there was a concept of, yeah, that I, that I deserved love. Um, just because of the lies that I, I like the way that people treated me was so unloving that it's like, well, that must just, if enough people do it right, then it must be true. Um, and I think that was something it took me a long time to figure out. Like, that's not the case. Um, just because everyone around you is telling you something doesn't mean they're correct. Or just because you run into a situation like that doesn't mean, um, that's what's in store for you. And so I don't know if that makes any sense. Right. Um, but I think immediately afterwards, like there was still like uh, the chaos, the pain, how deep it was. It's not like you come to a realization and that you're solved, right? Like you're talking about with, um, your podcast and your journey and the years, like it's like almost coming to the realization of, of where you're broken. Um, is the worst part of the process because now you realize how broken you are. And now you realize, Oh, like, there's so much to do. Uh, there's so much to relearn. There's so much to look for reconciliation or to look for repentance or look to look for just, um, a new framework of how to see yourself and how to see the people around you, how to see the world around you, um, how to reprioritize things that, um, I'm still in the process of, right? Like some of those traumas, it's now, um, I just celebrated my fifth year anniversary this year, right? It's been over, almost over 10 years since I've even talked to some of these people. And I still have, I still have trouble, right? Like I still have a hard time. I still have thoughts in the day that then bring me back. Um, and that's okay. And it only has power whenever you can't talk about it. Right. Like it only, it only has power when you pretend it didn't happen. Like, cause, um, I'll tell you, uh, these situations, like people think about you a whole lot less than you think they do, but they also hold on to things a whole lot longer than you think they do. Um, and I don't know, like I, I thought escaping and just hiding from people or not talking to people anymore would solve it. And what I realized is, things don't just go away. Um, it doesn't just go away. And like, I was worth digging into it. Um, and I don't know, that was powerful. I think that changed the trajectory of my life. Um, it definitely changed the trajectory of my marriage, the way that I communicate with my wife, the way that I value her and see her right. Is not now just because I am so lowly that it doesn't matter what I think. Like it now comes from, I love myself so much that I want to love her just as much, if not more. Right. Like, and so even if the outcome looks the same, like the reason for why I do things now, like out of this journey of loving myself, like perfects what I was trying to control in the first place with the people that matter. Like now that I love myself, this really pure motive of wanting to love people and be accepted by people and care for people, right? Or a pure motive for you, right? Of wanting to be good at what you do, wanting to excel, right? Like when done in health, when done in love, like those things don't have to be forsaken. They can be 
they can be perfected, right? They can be turned into good. And I think that's what's exciting in this stage of my life is um, while I'm not perfect at things, like I definitely will never be like just the things that I wanted to control and to be good at, like those can now be life-giving instead of destroying. Um, And that's what's so cool. And that's why I want to learn how to love myself better in this journey. I want to continue to learn new things continue to challenge myself is because the outcome is only deeper joy like that's all it is um joy looks like pain in the interim but i think at the outcome it's just so much more rich than what you could have anywhere else it's so everything that you said like i'm so resonant with and there's so much i want to dive into there there's so much i want to dive into I think a lot of that will be for future episodes for sure. But there are a couple of things that you said that I think are pertinent that I definitely want to point out right now for anyone that's listening. And I hope we can dive into it more in a future episode. But the self-love journey, it doesn't end. Like I am still very much on my journey. You're still very much on your journey. And like that journey will never end. Like as long as we are human beings and you're on this planet, that journey will always be a journey, right? Because there's so much that we have to continue to learn and to recommit to ourselves. Like every day we have to recommit to, I'm going to love myself today because we're going to be triggered. We're going to be thrown back into those memories. Life is going to come up and we're going to be like, Oh, wow. It's very easy to go back into that fault. That's not true. And there's something else that you said that I definitely, we can spend an entire episode talking about this, but you were saying how when you and Adele got married and whenever you were living with someone and seeing that she loved you, she was compassionate towards you. She was gracious towards you. I think that in our journeys, that is so insanely important. And that that is why therapy was so helpful for me and is to this day so helpful for me. Like, and this is raw and authentic to share and I'm happy to do that. But I truly feel like my therapist became the first place in my life that I really truly felt safe, loved, unconditionally loved. I think that that word is very important that no matter what I did, no matter how I showed up, I was going to be loved. I was going to be cared for. I wasn't going to have love or care withdrawn from me. And the patience that she demonstrated with me and it's in relationships. Like I've had to demonstrate patience with her as well. And like her humanity comes up and my humanity comes up. But I think it's important to point out that having that space, having that, even if it's one person, even if it's like for you, like I'm so thankful that you had that in your life all day, every day with someone that you woke up to and that you came home to. And the reassurance I want to provide out there is like, it that doesn't have to, you don't have to have that from a partner. You don't have to have that from a parent. You can get that from a therapist. And that's important. Like, it's so important because I remember when we first started talking, me and my therapist, I was like, I don't have this in my life. Like, I don't have, when I leave therapy, and I told her this, like, when I leave therapy, I'm stepping back into an environment where right now I'm not seen. Right now I'm not understood. Right now I'm not deeply cared for. And so I was holding on to those one hour sessions to get that ability to be seen. And the cool thing is, yes, it's taken time. It's taken a shit ton of work on my part. It's taking 
risk showing up in therapy and saying things I didn't want to say because I was afraid she was going to leave me. And I'm sure you've had those situations with friends in the past as well. And with Adele, it's like, man, I'm going to show up and she may leave me if I say this, but I got to freaking say this and showing up and seeing it different. I think that has been life-changing for me to see that it can be different. It can be different than what we've seen. It can be different and, and people can hold space for us. People can love us the way that we have loved other people. That can be modeled back to us as well. The grace we've given other people, that can be given back as well. And I just really think that I wanted to touch on that before we before we um, end the episode is this self-love journey. It is a journey about self-love, but oftentimes it does require you to find a space even if it's a minimal space, even if it's just in therapy, even if it's only with one friend, a space where you can have that unconditional love modeled to you. Yeah, I I love that um, reminder there. Like, I think it's so, so easy to fall into this lie of when, when you see somebody have a relationship like that, that that relationship needs to look that exact same way, right? Like if, if only I have that, then it will be, then I'll be good, right? And I think you just speaking back that, no, like for me, it looked like a partner, right? But for you, it looked like a therapist and probably for more people than not, it will look like a therapist, right? Like, um, and some, it will look like a friend or a parent, right? Or, or a child, right? Like, I think, just reminding each other that every relationship is sacred and and has value and can be kind of a primary relationship and to keep our minds open to that and to allow people uh, to be what they need to be in our lives, right? Like I think that so often that we put up barriers to people because of the mold that they're in, um, in our life. And I think, yeah, just, just remembering that like our, our community has power and is necessary. Um, like, and whatever that community looks like, right. If it's a teacher, if it's a coworker, if it's a friend on a video game, right. Like it, it has power and it's necessary. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that, that reminder there, Nicole. I think it's super powerful. Yeah, of course. So Brock, what is self-love look like for you today? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good question to start to, to wrap um, this little bow on, on this concept, which we'll never be able to tie off, right? Like, um, I think self-love in today, um, the thing that comes to mind, right, is this idea that I've been wrestling around um, since the beginning of this whole like journey starting what 2014 of, of actually like learning who I am and how to love myself. Um, I had one mentor really help me just challenge what it looks like to rest. I think we can't love ourselves until we're at rest with ourselves and, and have space, not just like there's this difference between rest and disconnection that I think is important to really, like really, really, I mean, repeat over and over again. And you'll probably hear me talk about it most episodes, right? Um, which is 
in today, rest looks like this. And today, rest looks like going on a hike. Um, and today, rest looks like just sitting for a minute and having a cheeseburger uh, instead of the meal I packed for lunch. And I think it's self-love looks today like slowing myself down enough um, to hear myself, right? Like with any relationship, it's just time, right? And you'd think you spend the most time with yourself since you are yourself and you're there 24 seven, right? But there's many days I don't spend time with myself. I lose myself to my work or to my relationships or to my child, right? Like, and rightfully so, but I think self-love looks like today is fighting for time to like truly be present with myself. Um, yeah. And so it's the hikes where I don't have a phone and I can just think and slow my brain down enough from a day. Like I think working intellectually, um, you don't sit and you don't think all day. Like, I think that's one of my, like, I wouldn't say regret, but I would love to have a job that was, <clears throat> I use my hands, right? Like, and my mind is able to be present with myself all day because what I do is I use my mind all day and I, I'm not there. And then the day ends and I say, where's a pillow to hit and to wake up the next day and to do it again. Um, and so I think because of that, because I live in this intellectual age where a computer can be your, your breadwinner of your household, right? Like you have to carve out that time. And for me, it, it doesn't look like a certain thing or a certain rhythm, right? Like I would always get so pissed off where people are like, ah, I'm able to get up at six o'clock and go to the gym for two hours and have all this time to start my day off. I'm like, um, that's just not me, man. Like it's just not. And so for me, it, it looks pretty much different every day. Um, like every day there's a different thing. And I think that really suits my personality, but it looks like just, I don't know. One of my goals is to try to have something each day that I do for me uh, and that I really rest in. Um, and that's what it looks like. It's as simple as that in today. Yeah, I love that. I think for me, I was also one of those people that would get really frustrated when people are like, you need to get up at 5 a.m. and you need to meditate and then do yoga and they go for a walk. And I'm like, I can't think straight at 5 a.m. There's no getting up at 5 a.m. Um, but over time, I have figured out what works for me. And I think that's the key. And Brock, you were alluding to that. Like it, it really does go back to what works best for you. Mm -hmm. And now it's so funny because I, I do get up earlier, but it also means I go to bed earlier. But the getting up earlier is just because my body is naturally waking me up earlier. And then when my body doesn't, my seven-year-old does. So something <laughs> is waking me up earlier. Um, but now, and even this morning, like we record for me, we record podcasts early. Like this is early for my system when we tend to record these. Right. And even with that, like I set an alarm and I'm like, all right, an hour before I have to get up, I have to make some mushroom coffee and sit on my patio. And maybe I shouldn't say have to, maybe I should say get to, I get to, I get to choose myself. And I sit on my patio and I have my quiet time. And every day I do that every single day. And I, at this point, I notice if I don't. And so it's just mm. for me, I don't even allow myself to schedule meetings with the exception of this, because I want to do this. And this is my heart. And this is healing. And this is healthy. And I say yes to this. I don't have meetings before 9am. 
So I typically like get my kid on the bus. And then as soon as she's on the bus, because there's no quiet patio time with her in this house, that's not happening. As soon as she's on the bus, I go outside and I get my quiet time. I get my morning time. So that's really big for me. And that looks pretty similar every day. I'm, I'm doing an intentional routine right now every day. And it only has like three more days left. And then I'll probably change it up. It won't be the same routine. I'll still probably take it in the mornings, but it won't be the same routine. And then the other thing that self-love looks like for me, and this is... This has been in my face this week and it is so incredibly hard for me. And this is where I'm defaulting back into some of those, those patterns that I have to be like, wait, 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 that's not how I get love. I can honor myself. I can honor my truth. I can speak my needs and ask for what I need. And the other person may say no, and that's okay, but I have to do what's best for me. And maybe there'll be another episode I'll do on that very soon, just to talk through what that looks like and how that works. But this week for me, that looked like saying, I may not be able to go on this retreat that I've been looking forward to, that I've already paid to next weekend, because I'm not sure that that's well for me. And if it is, like, these are the things I need. These are the five things that I need for that retreat to give myself permission to do during the retreat. Like if I, if we have group time and I'm not up for it, I give myself permission to go back to my room and rest, to take a nap. And that's just because where my nervous system is literally this week and right now. And so it's, it's asking myself what I need and trying to honor that and being able to kindly and gently, but firmly state what I need and allowing the other person to either receive or not receive that, but me still honoring myself. So yeah, it changes every day, every day. I love how, right. For both of us, it looks so different, right? That's, that's why we wanted to come in and, and do this together is to show that it doesn't have to look like one guide to self-love, right? Like it's, it's this idea that your journey is unique to you. And the only way to move forward in that journey is to slow down enough, right? With people, with community of any kind um, and discover what it looks like for you. And it does come, it just takes a lot of time and like years, right? Years of it being important and a priority it's taken for me to realize for me, it's not structured. And for you to realize for you, it is structured, right? And maybe that's just because I'm not disciplined yet. And that's something I'm going to learn in the next years, right? That's probably the case, honestly. But like in today, like that's okay, right? And it, and it can look like that. And that that is winning in today, right? For me. Um, and for you, it's okay. It, it, can look like structure and that is winning for you and that might not be how it ends right but i think the beauty of this self-love journey is it doesn't end and it doesn't stay the same and just like normal love right just like relational love it's something that's dynamic and changing and changes as we change and right like in the next season to accept yourself for the way that it looks and to not condemn yourself for it being different right like um i think it's so important and I think that, yeah, that's, that's what I want to end on is just like, like, don't condemn yourself for the way that it changes, right? Like, wh whatever your love looks like, it's not, don't condemn yourself for being too late to it, right? Like, but also don't, don't condemn yourself for not looking like somebody else's. Um, because the minute that you start to hate yourself for it not being what you want it to be, uh, is the minute that you've already lost, right? And that doesn't mean you've lost forever, right? But maybe it means that you're currently stuck. You're you're blind. You're you're lost. And I've been there. 
I've been there for years, years and years. Um, and there is a way out, right? It just takes time. Yeah. So just to leave everyone with that reminder to be patient with yourself, to be gentle with yourself, to be loving toward yourself and realize you're on your own journey and where you are right now is okay. It doesn't mean that's where you're always going to be, but it's okay. You're okay where you're at's okay. And it takes patience and time. So that wraps up our episode today. And remember to check out the show notes where you can find some additional resources. And Brock will put some show notes in there about safely traveling in Greece <laughs> and not being attacked by the wildlife. Oh, man. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Energetic Pathway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Google Play Store. And as always, thank you for listening and we will see you next time.